Good morning, folks, and welcome to the Doing It Live podcast, episode number two, In the Flesh. Uh, today's episode is about being an effective trainer, an effective trainer of people. Um, going to go into my background in training, uh, some essentials to being a good trainer, and some, some uh, poignant and humorous stories and kind of lessons learned in my experiences with training. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What's up, fella? You old enough to have that liquor? I said, you old enough to have that liquor? Come here. Come here. Oh, really, guy? Really? Come on. desert uh, it's kind of nice because it started to warm up I thought I'd moved away from cold winters cold wet winters and moved to the desert but it gets fucking cold here uh, we had we had snow on the ground snow on the ground last year at our house in suburbia so anyway um, getting on point here uh, talking about being an effective trainer what qualifies me to even broach the subject eh, a couple different things so um, I have had the privilege of being a trainee uh, in four different field training programs um, I've also attended two basic law enforcement academies one at the local and the other at the federal level so if you take my roughly 10 plus years of law enforcement experience and you break it down I have spent a considerable percentage of time being a trainee having a trainer and um, and I've picked up some do's and don'ts uh, from being a trainee on top of that at uh, my sheriff's office that I worked at one of them um, I was a field training officer I was an assistant team leader on the SWAT team and I was a defensive tactics instructor um, I should also uh, mention I I was certified in but never taught the our state police's uh, mental illness response program MERP yeah I think that's what the acronym was uh, anyway so and that was actually a great course that was one of the only courses um, instructor courses that I've been to other than I did do the uh, Gracie um, survival tactics course uh, anyway but both of those um, were the only two where I learned anything about adult learning theory, which is a thing. Um, you know, auditory learners, visual learners, hands-on learners, that sort of thing. How to present information, blah, blah, blah. Um, but amazingly enough, a lot of, I mean, like the FTO Academy that I went to, the defensive tactics, the impact weapons, um, and a couple of other courses that I went to that were instructor, you know, train the trainer courses, they had nothing in them about how to actually teach material, how to present material. Um, it was really weird. You would think there'd be more of that, but anyway, um, so I have been a certified trainer in a few different things. Um, I've been a trainee, uh, for a lot of my career. Um, that being said, we should always be a trainee, right? That's a phrase that you'll hear uh, sometimes around different agencies, and it's true. Um, don't by any means, you know, think that I'm saying that because I have some training experience doesn't mean that I don't think that uh, we should all be learning too, you know, right up to the very end of our career. There are always people that have a lot more knowledge than we do. 
um, a lot more experience, a lot more, you know, subject matter expertise, um, just whatever. I mean, and you should always seek to try new things, learn new things from, um, from your coworkers and your supervisors and, you know, your trainers and stuff like that. So, um, that is very important and it keeps you from, I mean, if you're trying new things and you're learning new stuff, it keeps you from stagnating and just being the B cop who that's all they've ever done. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying the burnout B cop who that's all that they've ever done. Um, though I've known some guys that pretty much all they ever did was be a B cop and they loved every minute of it. So, you know, kudos to them. Um, but it definitely can help prevent, uh, for the rest of us that, you know, don't have that magic makeup. It can, it can prevent the burnout, right? If you're, if you're in that, that constant training mode, you know, trying to pick up new stuff and learn new things and and remaining curious, right? So anyway, but I digress, uh, talking about being an effective trainer, right? Um, I've got some essentials that I have compiled that are from my personal experience. Um, this isn't anything that I read in a book. Um, though I have read some literature and of course received some, um, you know, official training on being a a trainer. Um, these are my ideas. This is, you know, what I kind of like what I've boiled it down to and what's worked for me. Um, the most important thing, uh, in today's day and age, and it should have been this way before, um, though, depending upon when you started in law enforcement, um, you know, your experience may vary. Uh, but (laughs) for me, the first rule is the golden rule. You have to treat your trainee, uh, as you would expect to be treated as a trainee, right? So, and that doesn't, I'm I'm not, it's not the, well, it is, it is, it's the golden rule. It's, it's do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Now in this environment, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're overly nice or, you know, sweet or whatever. It's not that kind of traditional interpretation of the golden rule because I don't, as a trainee, I don't want my trainer to be anything other than respectful, um, you know, empathetic, I suppose at times, but certainly not compassionate towards me, but respectful, empathetic, um, knowledgeable, driven, and, and to be a good leader. Right. So you know, nowhere in there am I saying I want them to take it easy on me. Um, that doesn't do me any good. And it, and if you're the trainer, it doesn't do your trainee any good, but you know, it's, it's certain, it's certain things like, um, you know, lack of respect. So calling your trainee out continuously over stupid shit in front of other people in order to create an embarrassment. Now there is, that is a, uh, training technique that does have some use. There are times when using peer pressure, um, in order to prove a point to your trainee, uh, is effective because that's the world we live in, right? We live in that, um, you know, male and female, we live in that, uh, sports team locker room kind of environment. Um, peer pressure is a, is a strong motivator, right? in everything that we do, you know, and it, and it can be a good thing. It's, it can be peer pressure, you know, to, to not have shitty tactics or, um, to be out there doing the, the Lord's work and, you know, taking bad guys to jail. Um, you know, and it can be down to stupid, you know, silly little, I mean, not silly, but small things like, you know, how much you're talking on the radio, right? Everybody hates that person who's eating up all that airtime. Yeah. It's annoying, but also, you know, what if somebody else is trying to, to get out, right? and they're in a, in an emergency and you're just describing, you know, um, whatever the, uh, what was that YouTube thing? The, like the, the highway patrolman who's just like talking on and on about the cat that's been hit on the side of the road or something. And meanwhile, you know, one of his partners is like in a pursuit with like armed robbers. Anyway, I'm kind of getting off through the weeds here, but, um, but talking about that respect, that trainee and trainer respect, you know, it's not, it's not calling them out over stupid shit all the fucking time. Like just trying to belittle them and embarrass them and be funny and show how cool you are to all, you know, your coworkers that you can, you know, mistreat this little trainee. No, I mean that that's horse shit. And, um, and that's something that, that happens and it's, uh, it does not foster a good working relationship with that trainee that then becomes your coworker. I can tell you that. Um, so anyway, 
So the golden rule, treat them like you want to be tr uh, treated. Be firm, be fair, you know, um, be knowledgeable and share that knowledge. Um, you know, excite your trainee, like get them, get them revved up, you know, hey, like it's okay to be positive with your trainee. Hey, yeah, hell yeah, we're going to go out, we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, go out on the street today and we're going to get a gun and we're going to get a gun, you know, from some felon or something like that. So I want you to find me a gun, you know, or some dope or whatever. Um, and being supportive of that being, you know, Hey, yeah, you, you kind of screwed that up or whatever. And this is what, uh, you know, this is what you need to work on. Um, but this is what you did well. And like, and you did that real well, you know, so let's keep that up. Let's do this, that, you know, whatever. So, um, so moving on from the golden rule, uh, adult learning theory. Some people learn things by watching you do it. Some people learn things by hearing you explain how to do it. Some people learn things by reading how to do it. And some people will only learn it if they do it. So you have to figure out uh, what kind of training you've got, right? Now some departments have like a, like when you do your psych, um, that's a component of it. Uh, I've seen that it's, it's uh, I actually my department uh, started doing it shortly before I left. And I don't remember how they got that information. I think it was in the psych. Um, but yeah, there was some sort of an evaluation that was done and it told you uh, what type of learner they were, whether they were auditory, whether they were hands-on, whether they were visual, you know. Um, and that was pretty cool because it like came, it, it came to you, the trainer. Um, and you know, you could kind of tailor like how, how you uh, introduced your training to the training program, right? Instead of having to just figure it out on the, uh, on the go. but. Um, yeah, so adult learning theory. Understand that. There are some people, I have worked with people, I have a coworker right now, um, we went through the academy together, fucking great dude, like, you know, one of my, one of my good friends, and, um, that fucking little shit can j like, if you give him a name of a location, or a person, or, uh, you know, um, like a number, like an address, or whatever, all you gotta do is tell this kid, like, a piece of information once, and he will remember it. He will remember it. He will be able to find that location. He will be able to tell you that person's name. He will be able to tell you what they said. What anyway? The, the kid. I mean, he's got a great memory, right? Yeah. Well, that's not me. <laughs> it takes me about ten times longer than people like that to uh, learn certain types of information, like landmarks, you know, um, names, uh, numbers, basically information that you could write down right or that you could put in a gps or that you could you know title something with um i just i don't remember it well unless i have like physically driven to that location or physically walked to that location unless maybe i've had an interaction there right like i mean there are certain you know streets or addresses or whatever that you know will be burned in my brain forever because something of significance occurred there but there are a lot of places that i have been a hundred times and wasn't paying attention and I couldn't tell you, you know, the name or the address or necessarily like how to get there, I guess, you know, um, because it just was never relevant to me and that's not how my brain works. I am very much so a hands-on learner with a secondary learning style of, of reading. I, I definitely need both of those. I need to be able to read something um, and then actually do it um, in order to, in order to learn. Uh, but not everybody's like me, you know, some people are auditory learners. You can just tell them stuff and they'll remember it. Some people are visual, you know, you show them a place once and they never forget it. Right. Um, so figure out what your trainee is and then you have to play to that. You have to keep reminding yourself, okay, this is how I need to teach him to do this. You know, um, if it's like, for example, if you have a trainee who is a, um, visual learner or likes to learn by by reading basically um or seeing something then and you're trying to teach them your beat right you're trying to teach them the streets uh one of the tactics that one of my training officers used was he had you draw a map right he had you draw a map of that area and he had you you know at one shift i'd draw the map and i'd fill in the streets that i could remember right and when i if i couldn't or when i got to the point where i couldn't remember any more streets then he would allow me to look at a um, paper map or at a map online and I could fill in the streets. The next day, boom, same thing. And maybe I could remember a couple more street street names to put on that map. Anyway, until eventually I was able to trace out, you know, my whole beat, 
that sort of a thing. Um, so that can be an effective tactic, right? But for somebody like me that's actually a hands-on learner, um, it 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 worked. Um, I definitely learned from it, though at a you know slow rate. But what worked even more for me is playing the "Hey, take me here" game, right? So tells me you know this is where I want to want to get to, right? And um, and I can use an av- and at first I could use a navigation device or something like that, you know, because I was just building that that muscle memory or myelination of getting to that location, which helped me in turn learn the location, the address, you know, how to get there, um, how to get there efficiently, like that sort of a thing. So, <clears throat> so that would be, you know, the hands-on way, right, of instructing somebody in their their beat orientation or their, you know, their, their knowledge of, of, of uh, the streets and the addresses and the locations that they work at, right? So you have your draw on the map, you have your, hey, um, you know, find me this place, right? What if they're an auditory learner? I mean, uh, something that I have uh, seen people do, it, it's really hard for me, but some people that I've seen people do that are auditory learners is, um, you know, the, tra- the trainer will basically say, hey, um, describe to me how to get there, right? So they're just talking it out, um, and that can be effective as well. So, so know, know your trainee and know how, how they learn, um, and figure it out. Uh, because like if they don't come to you with that you know psych profile that tells you what kind of learner they are it's not it's not hard to figure it out like usually your guys that are your football you know your or they they were you know college athletes or high school athletes or whatever um or they were mechanics or they were you know plumbers or they were construction guys or they were ranchers most of those guys they all tend to be hands-on learners you know what i'm saying like because they've been doing stuff with their hands they've been physically active you know their whole life um, some of your guys that you're getting straight out of college, guys and gals, um, I just use the word guys cause it's the easiest one for me to spit out. Um, some, you know, your guys coming from college, they may be more of the visual auditory kind of learners, you know, just because that's what they've been doing for several years. Right. Um, so yeah, so figure that out anyway, moving on. So we've talked about the golden rule, adult learning theory. Um, oh, <laughs> you know what else is essential? This is the third thing that's essential. You got to know your you got to know your subject, whatever you're training in. You got to know it. Um, you don't have to know everything about it. It is totally okay, and I have definitely done this, and it actually builds rapport with your trainee. If every once in a while they ask you a question that you just don't know the answer to, you look them right in the face and they say, "You know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I'll f- I, I will find it out and I will get back to you." Or even better, I've definitely done this. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Let's both go look it up, right? Um, I I can guarantee that if the two of you go look that thing up, whatever it is, uh, and you both learn from it, that that is an experience that your trainee will not forget. They will not forget that information. They will learn whatever that subject was that they had that question about because it's definitely, you know, um, it's definitely like a, a landmark moment, right? So it's totally okay to not know everything. However... You do need to know your subject, right? Um, I can't tell you whether it was in the academy or on FTO. I have definitely had trainers who had no fucking idea what they were talking about. And a lot of times it would be on like, you know, fairly um, technical information, right? I guess are kind of technical. I'm not talking about, you know, like wiring or whatever, but but like, you know, case law, um, you know, precise legal matters, stuff like that. Um, and it, a lot of that, let, let's just be honest, is because, you know, and this is, again, this is not a blanket statement about everybody, but there are, there's a significant portion of law enforcement that's not necessarily very well read, right? Um, they don't read up on their their laws, or when they do read up on them, you know, they maybe they're one of those guys who's never really been a reader and reading comprehension isn't really their thing. And so they really only ever get just kind of a basic, basic subject matter knowledge about stuff that actually is really important to our job. Um, you know, and that those guys who maybe aren't the, you know, legal buffs, like maybe they bring other stuff to the table, right? I'm not, it's not, not to say that you have to be a lawyer to be in law enforcement, um, but you definitely have to know what you're talking about, and especially if you're training, uh, if you're training trainees. So 
read your case laws. I used to subscribe to a uh, district attorney's office um, that would put out a newsletter um, that would have relevant like new case law, right? Of course, there's your Graham versus Connor, your Tennessee versus Garner, your Roe versus Wade. No, I'm just kidding. But um, but uh, uh, but there's new cases. There's new cases every you know every month, every year, right? Um, and on little stuff like on you know uh, whether or not you can detain somebody who you know just runs from you, right? course we all know it's circumstantial like you know it all depends blah blah but I'm just giving an example that was a case law I remember that that came out uh, in one of those legal you know uh, newsletters that I read so um, so know your information all right and if you don't know it don't be afraid to say to, to say you don't know it but generally speaking you should be well well read because you know you, yes you're gonna build a rapport if you you know tell your trainee, Hey, I don't know that. And you go look it up, but you're also, if that, if you're doing that all the time, I, it's, you know, degrades, uh, some of your status in their eyes. Right. <clears throat> um, so golden rule, adult learning theory, know your information and last, and I don't want to say most importantly, but definitely not least is have a sense of humor. You have to have a sense of humor. Um, trainees will do the fucking dumbest shit. They really will. Smart trainees, like smart, capable trainees will do silly shit. And if you don't have a sense of humor and if you're always getting pissed off at your trainee because they're doing weird stuff, um, then you're not going to foster a good training environment because your training environment, like we started with, should be respectful. It should be fairly open. You know, they should be able to come to you with concerns, um, to, to a point, right? Uh, and there should be a little bit of humor in it because we all learn better. We really do. We all learn better if we get to laugh every once in a while. Now, that doesn't mean that you should be unprofessional with your trainee, and that doesn't mean that you know it should be joke time all the time, but you definitely need to have a sense of humor, A, about your job and what's going on and your trainee, and then B, you know, to, I mean, to help you get through it as a training officer, right? But then B, also with your trainee so that, you know, they see that it just, it just creates, um, it just creates a better learning environment in my mind, you know? And again, not, not excessive humor, you know, with the trainee, that that's something to be saved for the guys and the gals in the squad room. Um, the trainee shouldn't be a part of that, but it's okay to crack a joke with them every once in a while and just, you know, kind of lighten the mood. Um, so yeah. So I have a sense of humor. Uh, all right. So those are our essentials, right? Um, now let's kind of talk about some stories that I have and some lessons learned. Um, these are going to be specific experiences from my life. And uh, it. I just want to... I, I feel like it definitely will enhance the quality of the podcast if, you know, I share some of this stuff because hopefully it'll make you laugh. Um, sometimes maybe it'll make you cry. Eh, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm going to try to stay away from too, you know, deep, deep shit, right? At least at this point. But, uh, anyway. All right. So <clears throat> talking about, hold on, let me get a little coffee here. Or as a favorite instructor of mine used to say, a little go-go juice. Or as he would say, go, go, juice, sir. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Um, I also got to plug this in, so excuse the, whatever the, the noise is. Puts the lotion on its skin. Again. All right, let's plug this bad boy in. This uh, application that I'm using, um, which is Anchor, by the way, to make the podcast, um, it's very user-friendly, especially for dumb people like me. Anyway, this application eats a lot of battery. Okay, so, um, and again, I'm recording this on my iPad Pro. It, it seems to be working out pretty well. I've been, since I've started recording, um, I've been listening to my regular podcasts, of course, which is Joe Rogan, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, um, Andy Stumpf on uh, 
Cleared Hot, which is a great podcast. Yeah, Mike Ritland's Mic Drop. Uh, and there's a couple of others in there. Um, there's actually one that really nobody knows about. It's called SpyCast. It's really interesting. Um, I forget the name of the host, but they work at like the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. And there'll be some good stuff on there, too. Um, but anyway, I digress. I think that's the right usage of that. I digress? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll do a live. Um, all right. So stories and lesson learned. So the first one is going to touch on a few things that I talked about, including that golden rule one, right? And this was, um, <clears throat> so not to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot my own horn just a little bit. Um, when I, when I was a training officer, um, we were going through a period where we had a lot of trainees, um, we had not hired, not hired, not trained, not trained for a long time. And then all of a sudden the money came in, you know, the economy was better, whatever. And boom, it was trainee after trainee. So we were getting hammered. Uh, I had six trainees in six months. And for anybody who's been a field training officer, you are ready to eat your fucking gun at that point. <laughs> and uh, I really do think, and this is, again, I have told you it, um, being an FTO was, it really, it really, I mean, I, I can't think other than some of the, well, being on the SWAT team was fucking awesome, right? So I will put it that way. Like being on the SWAT team was awesome and it was my favorite thing that I did. It was the most fun. It was the coolest, but being a training officer was definitely the most rewarding thing I ever did. Um, I had out of those six trainees in that six months, I had five that made it through the program, which was above average because our program at the time, we had about like a 50% attrition rate. I mean, we were just bouncing these fools out, which was good. And it was for good reasons. Um, it, it, it was nice. Other than the fact that we were short staffed and we needed the bodies, it was nice that we had that attrition rate because we had good FTOs. We had good supervision over the FTO program that was willing to listen to the FTOs despite the numbers crunch. And we were getting rid of guys that just couldn't cut the mustard guy guys. And, uh, we didn't have any gals at that point. Really. I don't think, um, guys who, you know, maybe could have been good cops other places, but in the, the uniquely challenging environment that we were working as deputies in a rural, but very, uh, crime and violence ridden County, um, where backup times could be an hour away, uh, you know, and where we were getting into a lot of shit on a regular basis. Um, we, needed people who who could be communicators who could take care of business by themselves if they had to um you know who could shoot who could talk who could move who could who looked you know like they could handle themselves and acted like they could handle themselves and who were problem solvers because you really had to be a thinker and a problem solver um any cop anywhere but especially those rural deputies in those those big ass counties out there you know dealing with with violence and fucking meth and tweakers and fucking you know home invasions and and domestics and shit just just out there um that they sometimes have to handle by themselves or with just another partner and it, it definitely breeds a different a different type of um uh law enforcement official shall we say so anyway yeah boy how did i get down that rabbit hole I don't remember. So, but talking about this particular trainee, right? Um, oh yes, that's, that's how we got there. So we were washing a lot of trainees out, right? This trainee was a good dude. Um, he had worked in our jail. Well, is a good dude. I'm, he's still around. Um, uh, he had worked in our jail. Um, fucking good guy, a lot of life experience, smart dude. Everybody, you know, liked him. Um, he had a great way with with, I mean, his, his people skills were exceptional, right? However, his, uh, his like, he just, he would fall apart. He would fall apart when he would get stressed and it would be on stuff that, you know, was crucial, but that was technical, uh, radio stuff, right? Um, you know, knowledge of, um, knowledge of, you know, case law, um, you know, shit that, like if he was relaxed, he could actually, I mean, he could make it work, you know, but as soon as he got a little bit wound up, um, the fucking dude would, would be a train wreck. Right. But he had all of the, he had all the components and still does. He's, he successfully made it through. Anyway, they kind of like, they took a, um, this is the tooting my horn thing. They took an approach with me after I had like a couple of trainees 
my training supervisor had figured out that if they had a problem child, but that they really wanted to make it through the training program, they'd give them to me. Um, because I had a way of, well, I, I understood adult learning theory. I understood, you know, the things that I've discussed earlier. And I just, I had a way of being able to turn some of these kids and adults around. So anyway, so this guy uh, was really good at some stuff, was having a hard time with other things. And, um, and it was like, it had gotten better, gotten better, gotten better. I was working some different techniques with him, you know. Um, I had definitely relaxed the mood because, you know, this was an adult. I mean, this is a guy who had been a mechanic and, you know, done this and that and then worked in the jail. And, you know, I mean, this wasn't some kid that I needed to, like, toughen up. You know, this dude was already tough enough, so there's no reason that I need to be, you know, jumping his shit over stupid shit like I might do for somebody with zero life experience just to kind of harden them up, right? But with this guy, I didn't need to take that approach, so I did the opposite. I, I lightened way up on the stuff that didn't matter, and it was very effective because he was not stressed with the situations he was encountering as a deputy. He was really good at those. He was good at thinking on his feet, you know, dealing with people. His officer safety was good. I mean, all that really important shit, but the nuts and bolts sometimes would fall apart because he would get stressed out by me and not me in particular, but just having a training officer there. And this was something that I recognized because on my own part, uh, in the fucking 85 times I've been a trainee, um, I have, I exhibit a lower level of that. Like it, it's definitely there. Right. And it's something that I've learned to deal with to make it easier on my trainers. So <clears throat> he was having a rough time. And it had gotten better, it had gotten better, um, and then it got worse, it got worse, it got worse, and it, like, fucking nosedived, right? Well, I got frustrated. I got frustrated. And I started doing some of the stuff that I've talked about not doing, right? I started yelling at the dude more. I started picking every little thing apart more. Um, and, and I slid backwards in my training methodologies as he slid backwards in his performance, right? until I was just fucking pissed at the dude, you know, and I had spent a lot of time with him. They were giving me these trainees for multiple segments because what I was doing was working, but it was burning me out. And this dude had started to, to burn me out, right? Uh, even though I wanted the guy to succeed, of course, and my overall picture was, you know, I wanted to help this dude. Um, I started to get fucking pissed at him and to hate having him in my car, which every field training officer knows that feeling. Um, <clears throat> Until one day I walked into the office and he was sitting in my supervisor's office and this grown man who I will only describe as being the closest living relative to a fucking Neanderthal, by the way, my trainee, um, I mean, big fucking hairy, just knuckle dragger, was, he was crying. He was crying in the fucking supervisor's office and I was blown away. I mean, it completely took the wind out of my sails. You know, I was just walking into work, I think, uh, you know, and I was, I was ticked off and I was ready to deal with whatever bullshit this trainee was going to throw at me or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, so he's in there fucking crying. And, and of course, my first thought was like, what the fuck did I do, you know? Because when you're anybody, when you're a human being, you always think that things revolve around you. Uh, so anyway, I started to excuse myself. FTO supervisor said, hey, come on in. Close the door. I closed the door, um, sat down, and come to find out this this trainee, well, one, he thought he was going to get fired because he thought he was going to fail the, the training program, which he was in some ways on the verge. I mean, we weren't done with him yet, but he was definitely in that fucking, you know, that snowball, right? Um, and then he, ba like, and then, you know, he told me that his, I think it was girlfriend, I don't think they were married, anyway, his girlfriend was pregnant, and I think, if I recall, like, they, she wasn't sure if she wanted to keep the baby, and this and that, and blah, blah. Anyway, um, and he didn't know what was happening in his life right at that minute, you know? Um, I mean, he had an intense personal life crisis that was going on, and he was also juggling a work crisis, you know? So, uh, and I had no idea. I mean, I rode in the car with the dude, you know, for hours uh, and days at that point. Well, like weeks. Um, and I'd spent all this time with this dude, and I had no idea you know, that he had a, a girlfriend that he, you know, a live-in girlfriend who was pregnant and that they were thinking about getting an abortion or not. And, you know, this was a very emotional thing for him. Uh, he, he had not shared that with me. And the funny thing is, is his downhill slide, his, you know, secondary downhill slide after I'd had him on an uphill climb, um, was when all that kind of came out, right? And so it caused me to, well, one, it, it reinforced to me that it's important for them to 
feel like they can approach you with important things that are going on because you know your your work life and your personal life uh, unfortunately are are very closely uh, interrelated I mean we're human beings right you know some guys can leave all the home shit uh, at home and bring it to work but I, I mean I want to say that maybe I've met a couple but most of us carry both our work home and our home to work right so anyway <clears throat> so it's important that you are in tune enough with your trainee that you know that something's going on right and then secondarily I mean how did we deal with that right well it was easy and like I mean for me it was easy there's no there's no time frame on training programs generally speaking I mean there is there's a time frame but there's no like you know you can usually extend somebody on training um, basically for as long as your supervisors will let you right so we extended him but we extended him and I basically was like hey man you know for a couple of few days here or whatever you're just gonna hop in the passenger seat all right and you're just gonna do some basic tasks like you're a fucking ride you know or not a ride along but like a reserve you know deputy and I'm gonna handle the nuts and bolts stuff the stuff that's making it hard for you the find you know the finding the location the addresses the you know computer stuff whatever and you're just gonna interact with the people and you're gonna do what you do well and we're just gonna let you be you know you still need to be learning and you still need to be using good officer safety and you know all those kind of things but you're basically gonna act as my partner for a short period of time just so we can just get you back to fucking neutral reset the wiring and then move on and uh, and we did that we did that for a few days basically um, and it it became fun for him again because all of us get into cop work because we want to have fun because we think it's fun because it's what we want to do right well when it's nothing but stressful 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 even as a trainee that's how you burn your trainees out you know just like trainers get burnt out so do trainees uh, I know because I've been a fucking trainee for goddamn half my life so anyway <clears throat> so those were some important lessons learned right um, talk about another experience with a trainee um, this one so my last experience was just hey being in tune with your trainee and having a good enough rapport with them that if they've got a major life event like an abortion or a pregnancy and by the way they had the kid beautiful beautiful kid so great awesome whatever I'm not even gonna touch fucking abortion in this podcast people are so strongly for or against it and I just I don't have a dog in the fight so anyway they had the baby it worked out for 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 them beautiful kid you know whatever the two of them didn't work out but nah fuck it that's life right so anyway um <laughs> so yeah be in tune you know have a good rapport with them and don't be afraid to do something kind of radical like say hey i'm gonna take the reins for a while you know if it works and it did work because that dude ended up being a great deputy so anyway uh next lesson all right is not every trainee uh, that you have is going to have had any experience in true conflict and by conflict I mean you know going hands-on with somebody um, getting in a fight excuse me making people do things physically you know that don't want to do them right uh, you know tough guy stuff right some of us myself included until until I was in law enforcement I had never been in an actual fight now I did have the benefit of I played contact sports um, I did martial arts all through childhood, including, you know, sparring and boxing and, you know, some wrestling and ground fighting stuff, whatever. So I was used to, I was, I'd been hit in the face many, many fucking times, you know, I'd been, you know, necked out and, you know, so, so I had some experience in, in going hands on with people, um, but I'd never been in a fight and there's a lot of trainees there might be some trainees that you're going to get these days who, you know, maybe they were never an athlete even, you know, and then they went to college and they you know for whatever reason ended up getting into law enforcement and they've never been in a fight either um they've never you know told somebody no or you know made somebody do something sit down get up turn around put your hands behind your back you know uh fucking prone out you know, whatever um so and they're not always gonna do it the first time when you've got them on the street and i'm sorry i'm kind of skipping around here so so what I'm getting at is there are guys and gals who are gonna come into a training program with zero hands-on experience, right? Zero confrontation experience, okay? And until they have been put in that situation as a law enforcement official, you don't know how they're gonna react. And the first time they may not react favorably because they've never been in that situation before. And you will hear 
trainers say that, well, you know what? Like when the rubber meets the road, like, hey, they've either got it or they don't. And they will judge that off of a single incident, right? A single incident, a time when somebody should have gone hands-on, they should have dumped somebody, they should have punched them, they should have fucking shot him, they should have tased him, whatever. They should have made him sit down, whatever it is. And they didn't do it that first time. And then the training officer thinks they're fucking broken. They think that they're, oh, not this guy or gal doesn't have it. Well, there is a certain amount of legitimacy to that because there are people that don't have it. But there are guys that don't have it the first time. But that's because they're learning. And guess what? The second time, boom, got it, right? So don't throw your trainee away after one failure to engage, all right? And <laughs> so... uh so I had this trainee, super fucking sharp kid, really young, super sharp, had also worked in the jail. Um, actually, he was so fucking sharp and he was so good at pretty much everything that he did that it was almost kind of annoying, you know? He, w- he was really like a trainee I could just kind of coast with in a lot of ways, um, and which was aggravating because in all the training programs I've been in, even like the third training program, which was FTO with my original agency again, right? Because I still had to go through an FTO program, crazy as that sounds, for liability purposes, um, even though I'd already worked there. Uh, I didn't coast through any of my training programs. I've never coasted through anything. I don't know how people can do it. But anyway, this kid was kind of coasting, um, and it fucking irritated me, right? I thought he was a little bit smug, and, and he wasn't. He's just a fucking, and, and, and he's a great fucking cop now. I mean, the dude has gotten so many stupid gun capers and dope capers and stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's pretty funny because he's just a fucking good dude too. Super, you know, he's super humble. Um, (laughs) nice kid and just a fucking crime fighter. So anyway, we went to a call where, uh, God, I think it was like a, she might've been like seven or eight, seven or eight year olds, like calling 911 from in the closet kind of a thing because uh, mommy is fighting uh, a guy outside. So we didn't know what was going on, but essentially it's not like we thought it was like a domestic, right? And it wasn't. (laughs) We we roll up and there's this fucking crazy bitch and she's out on the front lawn and she's got this dude uh, by like the fucking throat and she's like slapping him. And she, she's covered in blood. He's covered in blood. He's all fucking chewed up. His shirt's all ripped and fucking ears, like, like the chunk of it's like ripped off and fucking, he's bleeding and like whatever. Anyway, so we fucking roll into this thing and um, I get out. And at this point in this trainee's training program, I was certainly not going to take any action unless I absolutely needed to because it was on the, it was in the evaluation um, you know, towards the end of the training program where basically you're just seeing what they can do with what they've been taught up to that point, right? Because they're almost ready to be on their own. So I'm watching as this chick, like she stops, we pull into the driveway. She's, and she's like batshit, right? And she's fucking drunk and on pills or whatever, but she stops and she looks at us and she's not assaulting this guy anymore. She's, she's just standing there waiting for us to contact her. Well, by the nature of, you know, being the training officer, I'm sitting on the passenger's side, right? I get out, I'm looking right at her. I mean, we're a few, you know, feet or whatever away. Well, yards, whatever. Um, but my trainee is like, he's fucking around. I don't remember what he was doing. Like he's still, I don't know. He was fucking around doing something and he's not even watching the scene. So she's like looking at us, waiting for us to be like, you know, fucking put your hands behind your back. And I'm not saying anything cause he's in charge. I'm just there to evaluate and you know, then provide remedial training if necessary and the fucking trainee's not not engaging so what does she do after several seconds of just like kind of staring at us and me staring at her and my trainee not doing anything she just goes back to work on the <laughs> starts fucking slapping him around so I'm like hey uh and we'll just call him fucking Nick hey uh Nick you want to fucking do something anyway so he goes over and he like he's telling her to stop and she's not stopping and he's not fucking grabbing her. And I'm like, fucking get her under control. And she's fucking slapping this dude. And the dude's, you know, yelling help and whatever. And uh, anyway, so my trainee fucking grabs her. And uh, she starts caterwauling. It sounds like he's got a fucking cat in a bag, right? And so she starts flailing and stuff. And, and then, boom, it, it clicked for him. And he dumps her. And we ended up, I mean, she fucking, she, like, 
she was fucking spitting and biting and fucking kicking and what we ended up having to like hog tie this fucking lady and throw her in the back of our patrol her fucking top came <laughs> we're like i'm like on her back you know because i mean she's like trying to fucking eat us right and, and we're wrapping the legs and stuff and we throw her in the back of the fucking ride and her fucking tops all off killed her of course she's not wearing a bra or anything and it's just it was a fucking mess dude and she really fucked that dude up like she if i remember she and it was it was over like I don't know. He was the neighbor and he was a total victim. Like he had come, I think he came over to check on the kid because yeah, 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 yeah. So the mom was, that's what it was. The mom was passed out in the fucking driveway because she had taken the, and this is just, you know, these are just the fucking, these are the fucking people that you deal with. You know what I mean? That, and she was like, she was like a middle class like single mom kind of a lady and like had a respectable I think she had owned a business she had like a respectable business and um you know uh and she she was living with her kid who's like seven or eight and she took her kid to something a show or something like that and she got fucking hammered she got hammered and I think she took some pills or something I, I believe there was drugs involved anyway she got fucking hammered and then she drove her kid home and her kid got out and she fucking passed out in the driveway, right? So the kid goes across the street to get the this this nice older gentleman who lives across the street. Um, and uh, actually, he wasn't a nice older gentleman. He was involved in something else that I didn't, I had not known about. But anyway, whatever. She goes across the street to get the fucking neighbor, right? And uh, and he comes over and he like tries to wake up the mom, and the mom just goes ten eight. She just goes nuts on him um, and start and like just starts beating him. Um, for waking her up from her fucking, you know, comatose state in the driver's seat, right? And then, of course, girl goes inside, calls 911, and that's when we show up, right? Anyway, I, I just, you know, it's one, I mean, hey, drunk driving fucking kills people, and it's terrible, like, don't don't get me wrong, you know? Um, but people make mistakes, and, like, shit happens. Um, but this lady was a fucking bitch, and it's just, it's aggravating because she put her kid's life in danger, and, you know, which, and again, when I say people make mistakes and drunk driving... I'm not advocating it, and I'm not saying that it's okay, but it, in no circumstances whatsoever, there is, you know, it is not a mistake to fucking drive home hammered, blacked out, fucking multi-substance drunk, uh, with your kid in the car. Like, that, the, there's like a line you draw, you know, it's like, uh, you know, hey, people drive drunk, yeah, you make mistakes, or, you know, so, you know, hey, you fucking stole something when you were younger, or whatever yeah you make mistakes and then there's like you know fucking jeffrey dahmer there's like killing four fucking <laughs> there's killing four strippers you know and there's fucking driving home with your you know blacked out with your fucking kid in the car like those are on the side of not okay to make that mistake doesn't matter right so anyway um yeah and then after that um so he had that that failure to engage where he was just basically staring at her beating this fucking dude until i shook him you know shook him verbally and then he went to work and took care of business and um so yeah so that's just an example of hey basically you know like just like everything else um it is a training program and they may not know when to go hands-on at first because it's so new to them um that uh it's okay for them to have one or two of those little mistakes that's why you're there right so don't count your trainee out because of a failure to engage but if it becomes a pattern well then it's a different story right um, and last lesson, last lesson, little officer safety lesson for you folks out there. All right. Anybody who's been a training officer, especially assigned to either swings or midnights or graves or whatever you call it. Um, or in my case <laughs> on day shift, uh, some of us have in the past liked to take little, little, uh, tactical power naps, uh, while our trainees fucking, Hey, if they're working on a report, like in the back room or whatever, and you know, you want to go fucking rack out for 10, 15 minutes or whatever, um, cause you know, you had a fucking late shift the day before or whatever it is like, that's a different story. But if you're driving, <laughs> if you're on the road with your trainee and you're going to a call for service and even if it's a long drive and you know that it's going to take you a while to get there, you probably shouldn't fucking take a nap while your trainee's driving because sometimes shit happens really quickly and you're not able to deal with it. So so I had another trainee, uh, and I will call this kid my favorite trainee. Uh, I liked all of my trainees. It's just like children. Okay. We love all of them. We care for all of them. Even the one that didn't make it. I actually, that kid fucking cracked me up. But anyway, uh, anyway, I will say that 
I love all my children, but I love this child the most. How about that? So anyway, uh, so this trainee is fucking good, dude. Just a total fucking idiot. Like, uh, just a big fucking country fucking... Uh, anyway, anybody knows him is either lucky or unlucky. It depends on how you look at it. But so we're rolling out to this call. It's like an hour response time for us. It's like a property. I think it's like a uh, cold burglary or whatever, um, which we still had to take after all of this, of course. Anyway, so we're fucking cruising along and we're going through this river canyon, um, like way out in the middle of nowhere. And I'd racked out. I'm fucking passed out. And unbeknownst to me, we drive by this dude standing on the side of the road with a rifle. Now, in some places, that's legal. Uh, I don't want to say... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that, it wasn't illegal, uh, but it was not uh, normal for our area, right? Uh, we didn't... That area wasn't around any, like, open, you know, uh, public lands or whatever where you could, you know, shoot where you want and stuff like that. It was on the edge of a highway, Um uh, you know, it just wasn't something you saw. I mean, like if you were in like, you know, Arkansas or Texas or something, it might be normal to see a dude walking down the side of the road with a rifle. <laughs> but where we were at, at that time and in that place, it was not. So it's certainly something that is interesting and eh, should probably be checked out if you're a fucking cop. So anyway, so I'm passed out and we drive past this dude and my trainee sees him and he goes like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, uh, there's a, there's a guy back there uh, on the side of the road with a gun. <laughs> like fucking what turn around fucking let's, let's go see what the fuck he's doing oh okay so <laughs> so he i think i put it over the radio uh that we were gonna go out and contact a guy with a rifle on the side of the road and my trainee is like flustered at this point because i'm like why the fuck didn't you like you know like anyway whatever so my trainee is flustered and so what <laughs> we are we're going to turn around and that's when we start hearing the gunshots and this dude is fucking shooting and not only is he shooting but we can hear like it i don't i don't know how to describe it other than like there there is like a a, a whirring or a there's a sound in the air going over our heads as these bullets travel over our heads like a it's like a zip i guess i don't know i don't know um and that's only, it's, I've been shot at twice. And that time, you know, I was pretty sure this guy wasn't shooting at us because it sounded like it was like a 22. And, um, it wasn't like, I don't know. We could hear the bullets like going over our head and past us, not like at us, if that makes sense. So, my fucking trainee is super flustered at this point. He fucking goes to do this, like, 85 fucking point turn. And what does he do? He just sinks us into a fucking ditch, right? Like, boom. We've got we've got three wheels on the ground, one wheel just dangling over air, right? And uh, <clears throat> But he's in two-wheel drive. And we're in a Ford Expedition. I mean, we've got four-wheel drive. And, you know, anyway. So he's, like, he's just fucking hammering on the fucking pedal. Like, he's got no idea. Like, he's just in vapor lock, right? And he's like, oh, 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 oh. And I'm just like, Timmy. And by, meanwhile, I'm realizing that we're stuck and there's rounds coming fairly close to us. Uh, I fucking bail out of the vehicle and I'd already popped my fucking rifle and I got the rifle out. And again, I'm not really sure if this guy's shooting at us or if he's just out there sport shooting, which is more likely. And so I was in actually a fairly relaxed state. And I'm just like, eh, fucking, you know, it's just another day. <laughs> As I'm hearing like this, you know, whatever, going over the head and shit. And Timmy's there. Oh, fuck, I said his name. Well, yeah, uh, you have no idea who. Wait, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he's fucking there, and he's just hammering on the pedal, and he's like staring at the fucking steering wheel. I'm like, hey, get out of the fucking car. So what does he do? He gets out of the car, and then the ball ball ugh, ball started rolling, right? So he comes over to my side. I'm like, all right, man, like, just fucking hang tight for a second. And uh, I grab I grab the PA, and I'm like, look, we gotta let this fucking dude know that we're up here because I don't think he's really shooting at us. And he's like, okay, yeah, I get it. So I just get on the PA, PA this dude, hey, guy that's shooting, put your rifle down, walk up to the road, whatever. Well, the gunfire stops. Then, of course, he fucking takes off out of the dirt pullout that it was kind of, like, he was hidden from view from, from us because he had, like, walked down this pullout and then down to, like, the bank of a river kind of a thing uh, or a dry riverbed. And, like, anyway, so he was out of view this whole time, um, but he was, like, 
directly in front of us over the edge of the embankment. So we couldn't see him, he couldn't see us, and he was shooting in our direction, right? Um, like a fucking idiot, right? It was totally unsafe, but it was not intentional. Uh, so as soon as I PA this dude, what does he do? Stop shooting. And I'm telling him, walk up to the road, you know, whatever. And I can't see him yet. But all I see is his vehicle pull up and out and then fucking take off. And I'm like, this motherfucker, you know. So <clears throat> so I jump in the driver's seat. I put that bitch in four-wheel drive. Boom, right out of the ditch, right? Trainee jumps into the other side. We go around the corner. We catch up to this dude. We light him up. Um, we pull him over. And then he proceeds to be a complete fucking asshat. Um, he's like an older dude. Uh, he ended up not having any criminal history uh, whatsoever. It, it could have totally been like, like, well, anyway, we didn't know exactly what was going on at that time. I, I didn't know he was an older dude. Doesn't really matter. Older guys, older guys kill cops all the time too. But uh, pulled him out at gunpoint. He was being a fucking asshat, like not listening to directions, basically just turning around and like going, "What the fuck do you want?" Kind of a thing, you know, just a fucking jerk. Um, when you know he was literally just shooting over our fucking heads. And, um, you know, we've got him at gunpoint and I'm giving him clear directions. And, you know, he's just, he obviously felt like he was not, you know, he was just one of those people who's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a criminal, so I'm not going to be treated like one. Well, it's, it doesn't really fucking matter because in the moment at the time when we don't know you and this is the hand that is dealt, then we're going to treat that person as a, as a lethal risk, which is what he was. I mean, he was fucking shooting like at us over our heads, right? So anyway, so finally get this dude cuffed up and everything, and he just fucking talks himself into what could have, it could have been like a, it could have been honestly like a fucking, hey, numb nuts, first of all, you're shooting, you're discharging a firearm in an unsafe manner, which is a fucking felony, you're shooting over a fucking road, like, in, into a, uh, basically into a backdrop that you can't see because it's a wooded hillside, and there are homes on this hillside, and not to mention, a couple of cops just fucking drove past you, you know? Anyway, the whole thing was fucking stupid. But it could have just been like a, hey, like an educational session, if you will, you know? An ass chewing and then fucking cut this guy loose. But he wanted, he kept, I'm like trying, I'm like getting ready to write the fucking ticket. Um, because I've got to take some enforcement action because this guy had just, I mean, he wasn't even going with the felony stop. Like he was being just a fucking asshole the whole time. And then he starts going like, well, when's this ticket going to be done? I got to get out of here. I got shit to do. This and that. But, eh, so he got the full fuck you. He got he actually got arrested and fucking the, we seized the gun for evidence and, and it was what it was. But he, I mean, through a series of bad decisions, this guy, you know, but, I mean, he fucking was, he saw us and then decided to go down, shoot towards an inhabited hillside over a fucking road. And then when we tried to contact him with the PA, he packed it up and we told him to stop and he fucking took off. Like, you know, and then we do a high risk stop on the dude at gunpoint and he's still jerking us off. You know what I mean? So anyway, I arrested him for the, for the crime that he had committed and we seized his fucking firearm and fucked that guy. Um, but the lesson on all of that was don't sleep. <laughs> well, don't sleep in public as a fucking law enforcement officer because anything can happen. But don't sleep when you got a trainee uh, driving. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, things happen really quickly. And that could have been very different. Had that guy been, like, out there getting ready to do a dope robbery, which is very, very common in that area, um, then we could have had a fucking gunfight and I would have been behind the curve because I was asleep. So, so yeah. So, lessons learned, man. Um, wow, that was, that was a lot longer than my last podcast. I think I'm going to try to, like, if I've got enough material, I'm going to try to, well, I'm going to try to, to wait until I have enough material to do an hour podcast at a time. Um, because I don't know about you guys, but I prefer mine in hour plus chunks because I listen to them when I'm on a drive. Um, and usually when I'm driving, depending on where I'm at, I don't have cell for, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes at a time. So if they're an hour and a half or so, then it's great because I can listen to it on the drive out to work and listen to it on the drive in. So I'm going to try to make these like an hour. Um, and I'm probably going to start slow with some, uh, some guests, uh, maybe some buddies, some guys that I've worked with, maybe some girls. I don't know. I can't, we'll see. Anyway, um, try to get some people on, um, some, maybe some subject matter experts, if you will, um, until hopefully we, uh, we build some sort of a fucking fan base here and, uh, and then maybe I'll have real guests sometime. Not to say that my friends aren't real guests, but they're not real guests. So, anyway. Um, yeah. So, be an effective trainer. Um, and there's, I have just touched the tip of the iceberg. You know what I mean? 
I mean, I could talk about this for hours, and I'm not even qualified to talk about it for hours because um, there are people out there who have much more clearly defined methodologies. And uh, yeah, but anyway, so I hope you enjoyed uh, some of the stories, and I hope that you know, for you trainees and potential trainers out there, um, that at least you take you know one or two things out of my experiences um, to hopefully make you a better trainer. So thanks for listening, guys, and I will catch you next time. Thank you.